In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful Archbishop William Ullathorne, one of the first missionaries to Australia, said the following, The children of the faith may be broadly divided into two classes, those who follow the routine of obligation and those who devote themselves to the cultivation of the soul. And I would like to adapt this quotation, because I think it's so apt for the purpose of my sermon, and say this. Catholics who pray may be broadly divided into two classes, those who pray out of routine and those who pray in order to draw closer to God. So just in the spiritual life, you can draw comparison between two types of people, those who just do things out of routine and those who do things really in order to attain holiness, so too in the realm of prayer. So I want to speak to you about prayer today. And if I do so, what I really want to achieve is to make prayer easier for you. I want to make prayer more consoling for you. And I want to make it more profitable for you. But to do so, I have to inspire you to have better dispositions when you pray. Because ultimately, it is those dispositions that make your prayer profitable. If we find prayer difficult, and we do find prayer difficult, it's often because it's too artificial. We're praying perhaps because we have to, we feel like we have to, it's something I have to do. Perhaps we're praying because we do not want to go to hell. Perhaps we're praying because we have scheduled a prayer at a certain time, and this is just sort of part of our routine. It certainly happened to the priest. I'm praying because, well, this is part of my schedule. And these are all certainly justified reasons for praying. Um, they're legitimate reasons for praying. And if this is all the reasons that we can sort of muster to pray, this is all the sort of uh, motivation that, that we can muster in order to get ourselves to pray, well, we must use them because we must keep praying at all costs. We must not stop praying. But we always must have the ideal in mind and so there really are higher reasons for praying, reasons that do not come, I may say, from the outside of prayer. But they come more from the inside of prayer. All these things that are just mentioned is more from the, from the outside of prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, in other words, not because of the prayer itself, um, but I'm, I'm praying because of some other reason that compels me to pray, um, such as time. Time is, it's, it's, it's the time to pray. So, so time is telling me, you know, it's time to do my prayers. So I'm going to go do them. Or it's the will of our parents. My parents are telling me to pray. So I'm, I'm going to pray right now. Or some sort of call of duty. I feel like it's my duty to pray. But really inside of me, I'm not really wanting to pray. It's not my desire so much to pray. It's just something outside of prayer itself that is moving me to do so. Really, inside prayer is God himself. If I want to pray for prayer's sake, it will be because of God. I will want to pray to God because he's real for me, because he is what he is. He's my creator. He's my father. He's the source of all my goodness and happiness. I want to pray because he hears me. I want to pray because he loves me. I want to pray because he takes care of me. And these, these things attract me to pray. These things move me to pray. I realize who God is. 
I realized that, no, he does exist. He does have this relationship with me. And so I need to pray. I believe in him. I hope in him. I love him. And as a result, I do want to pray to him. And this is what's compelling me to pray, not just some, some duty or the will of some, another person or uh, a mere fear of hell. And so if I have this disposition when I go to pray, I will speak to God as if he is really present, as if he is before me. You know, this is what St. Ignatius has us do before we begin our meditations. It's not, it's not really the actual prayer itself. It's just the preparation for the prayer. He says, you put yourself in the presence of God. You, you consider as if God is there before you. It's helpful if you're kneeling before a tabernacle, or you might have some image of our Lord or Our Lady. But, as I say, it's, it's not the prayer itself, but you're just using your imagination to consider the reality that God sees you, that He is real, that He is present to you at all times. And this helps fix us. It helps us collect ourselves. You know, we speak of recollection. We have the word recollection. It's just sort of a collecting of all our powers and putting them in one point. And we don't want ourselves to be scattered when, when we pray. We want all of our forces sort of be focused and collected on one point. And just this act of of considering the presence of God before us, before we start praying, helps us fix ourselves in God. And then that is a, is a prerequisite sort of pouring forth our heart to God. And when we're able to achieve that, you know, prayer is no longer like pulling teeth. It's, it's no longer something that's sort of painful and laborious. And... Um, Something we're, we're, we're just kind of waiting for the moment when we're going to be done. There's two examples of this heartfelt prayer in today's Mass. Two examples of a prayer that's really obviously coming from someone who believes in the reality of God and is praying um, convinced that they are in the presence of God and actually speaking to God and God hears them. The first example is the collect of today's Mass. In the collect, and so many of these collects are, are very beautiful, but today's collect says, Lord, guard your family always with your care, that it might be free from all dif difficulties with you protecting it. And this is just a, a very beautiful expression of a soul who um, is speaking very familiarly with God. The soul is speaking to, to God with the language of family. Um, it, it, the, this prayer uses family language. It speaks to God as the father of family, a family that is weak and needy, a family that needs his protection. Guard your family. O oh God, dear Lord, look upon your family. Take care of your family. Um, so you, my point is that you can't really speak to God like that unless you have a certain belief, a conviction that he's real, a conviction that he is the one who is taking care of the human race. Um, so this prayer is a prayer that believes that God is real, that he is there for us, that he is caring, that he is fatherly, and it does not just believe these things, it expresses them. So the belief goes before, and because the belief is there, there's a natural desire of a human being 
to find expression for that belief in words. And these words, these, these beautiful words come out. And we may certainly expect, we have the conviction that when this prayer is uttered sincerely, it is certainly answered by God. It is a prayer that is certainly heard. The second example of the heartfelt prayer comes from this unjust steward. I mean, it's a, it's a parable of our Lord, but the prayer in itself is a good prayer. This unjust steward owes his king 10,000 talents, which is just an enormous sum. It's like $10 million or something like that. And, of course, the king is God, and, and we are like the servants of the king who have offended them, and, and we owe him a debt. We represent the unjust steward. We've, we've sort of trafficked with um, our life in this world unjustly, and we, and we owe God because we, we have offended him. So the unjust steward, at the beginning of the parable, pro- provides a certain model of how we are to pray when we have fallen into sin, when we have accumulated this debt to God, He casts himself at the feet of the king and just says simply, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And our Lord himself tells us in the parable that his prayer was answered, that the the heart of the the king was was moved. At first the king was saying, "You're, you're going to be sold and your wife and your children and all your possessions, I'm going to take them all because you owe me $10 million. And then after this act of, of humble submission, and, and begging for mercy, God hears the prayer, forgives him all the dead. And if the, if the unjust steward was later punished, it was precisely because he did not show that same mercy to others. He didn't act like God acted towards him. You know, when, when someone else has the exact same prayer to him, he does not act like God our Father acts. And this brings me to another aspect of prayer that's extremely important. I mean, the first thing that I'm trying to emphasize is that we really must try to pray to God as if God is real, as if we are in the presence of God with a certain faith, a belief that there is a God, that he hears me, that he's my father, that he loves me. We must try to to have these dispositions when we pray. But we also have to pray to God as if God is God. We often pray to God as if we are adults. In other words, we pray in a way that an adult would speak to an adult. And this is perfectly fine when when we're dealing with our fellow human beings because, I mean, we're, we're, we're all equals. But the thing is, we are not equals with God. God is above us all. And in relation to God, we are not adults. We are more, much more like little children. In relation to God. He is our father. He's not our brother or our pal. You know, he's, he's the one who creates us and sustains us. And so in prayer, we're often not playing our part. We're playing a part that's bigger than we actually are. We're praying as if we have much more control of things, uh, much more of a handle on things than we really do in, in, all, in all honesty. So this is why our Lord tells us, unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, he is the greater in the kingdom of heaven. So, as I say, because that person is more conformed to the truth, to the the real reality 
of things. Uh, our Lord does not say, um, it's striking because he does not say unless you become like adolescents or unless you become like preteens or like tweens or, or whatever it may be. He says unless you become like little children. So um, he's not looking for you to be a 13-year-old. He's not looking for you to even be a 10-year-old, I would say. It's much more like a 7- or 8-year-old is, is what he's looking for. Um, the, the simplicity, the, the innocence, uh, the straightforwardness of little children. So when you pray, you must try to have the dispositions of a 7- or 8-year-old towards his mother and his father. What are those dispositions? As I say, um, little children are very simple. They're very straightforward. They are without guile. They're not complicated. Um, they don't hesitate to speak to their parents about the things that trouble them. Uh, they do not hesitate to seek affection from their parents or to give affection to their parents. Little children are spontaneous. They just immediately... Uh, what's on the inside is shown on the outside, whether, whether it be their, their uh, affection for their parents or whether it be them sharing with their parents the difficulties that they are experiencing. But we, as adults, for some reason, we don't often do this with God. Um, when we're troubled, when there's something wrong in our lives, and there's often something wrong in our lives, we immediately start to think about how we're going to deal with it ourselves, as if we do have this total control over our lives, which of course is certainly not the case. We, we, many things in our lives are beyond our power. So we start thinking, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to cope? What am I going to do? We start planning. Um, we, we, we start worrying. We start getting anxious. Then we, we start living in the future. We, we uh, paint this scenario about what's going to happen in the future. Well, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And then after that, this other thing's going to happen. And it goes on and on. Um, and, of course, it's, it's usually bad because this sort of exercise is like a playground for the devil. Uh, St. Paul says in the epistle today that our wrestling is, is not against human beings so much. It's really against the devil, against the principalities and the powers. And we have to be aware when the, the devil, who knows our weak points, when he's going to be there and, and try to bring us down. And certainly if we, if we get in this habit of trying to live in the future and really plan out the ideal future of what way, the way we want things to be, or we become convinced that we can manage things, um, this is a great opportunity for him to paint the future as uh, very dark. And when he convinces us of, of that imaginary picture, we become sad and we start to feel the pressures of the life, of our life and the world coming down on us. And we, we enter into a spiritual state that is quite unhealthy. When in fact the solution was there for us all the time. There, our Lord and Our Lady were there all, all the time. Um, and it's almost like as if we, we don't think about speaking to them about these things um, uh, until we're almost forced to. We don't, that's certainly not the first thing we think about as, 
as a necessary solution and as a, a right solution. In other words, when I'm faced with the troubles of my life, the very first thing that I need to do is speak to my father and mother in heaven about them. I need to orient myself in this trouble to a supernatural perspective. I, I need to try to see these troubles as best I can from the perspective of God and not from my limited human perspective. And in order to do that, um, I, I need to become like a child. I need to throw myself at the feet of our Lord and Our Lady like a child and ask them for the help that I need. What we typically do is if we come up with a solution. All right, we come up with our, our desired solution. We've planned out how we're going to settle this. And then we pray a rosary for God to effect that solution. Please have you know, this or that happen. When that may not be exactly what God wants. I mean, it's good that we're praying the rosary for, for God to do our will. But the problem is, what if it's not the will of God? You know, he's not going to change his mind if, if what's best for us is not, in fact, this, this great plan that we've worked out. And he's not going to give that to us because he's a good father. All right, so he's going to give us something else. So it's, it's much better um, for us to pray to God that we have the right dispositions towards this trial, um, that, uh, yes, we are able to see it more from his perspective and that he give us the strength to bear whatever is coming, whatever is going to happen to us in the future. Please give me the strength to handle this in the right way. If we want to be a child, we have to speak to God from the heart. We have to tell him our troubles. We have to ask him what we should do. We have to just say, please help me. Please help me. And you know, sometimes people are, are even scrupulous about doing this. Um, sometimes people have a very romanticized idea of, of sanctity, of holiness. Um, they, they think that, that holiness is being super tough um, with our Lord and like carrying this huge cross and not saying anything about it. Just sort of taking it and, and going up to Calvary and being crucified and you're just silent the whole time because you're so supernaturally tough and you're, you're bearing it and you're, you're supposed to be happy about it. But you should never ever ask God to take away the cross and you should never ever ask God to console you, to comfort you when you're carrying the cross. But as I say, this is, this is a scruple. This is false. This is not, certainly not the way children are. They, they, they are, are very willing to admit their helplessness. They are very willing to go to their parents and say, please, comfort me, help me, sustain me, console me, because I am sad. I am hurt. I am in pain. So it is not at all wrong to ask God to take our cross away, to say, please, deliver me from this trial. Please take it away. You have all power. I can't do anything about this, but you can. Please take this trial away. But not my will, but thy will be done. This is, in a sense, why our Lord prays like this in the agony in the garden. Our Lord says, if, Father, if it be possible, let this chalice be removed from me. 
when that was the whole purpose why he came on this earth, is to drink this chalice. And he doesn't just pray that prayer once or twice. He prays it over and over again, says scripture. The exact, he went back and he prayed the exact same word. Father, if it be possible, take it away. And eventually, God sends our Lord comfort. Our Lord in his human nature is comforted by one of his own creatures, by an angel. An angel comes and sustains our Lord and enables him to shoulder this passion for the redemption of the human race. We must not hesitate to express to God our need for strength, our need for His, we may say, divine comfort to sustain us. And if we don't do this, then we're not really being a child with God. Um, we're not manifesting a very strong faith in God. We're pretending that we can manage everything ourselves and then we do not need God's assistance, which is definitely not the case. It's just not real. It's not true. St. Paul, in today's epistle, he starts off with the words, Be comforted in the Lord and in the power of His strength. And he tells us to, he invites us to make use of all these resources of faith. He sort of makes use of the military imagery of putting on, like a soldier putting on all of his accoutrements in order to go out to battle uh, against the devil, of course. He, he wants us to equip ourselves with the resources of the faith so that we can expect to go out in the world and, and be able to stand up and not be slain by the principalities and the powers. But this is exactly it. We, we can't go out there naked. We can't go out there naked and expect to, to stand up and not get slain by the world, by the troubles and the sorrows and the difficulties of this life. We have to be sort of equipped with the clothing um, of, of God that, that comes from having the faith. And this result, this strength that St. Paul speaks of is, is really the immediate result for someone who learns how to pray to God with that heartfelt prayer. He or she who does this um, is much stronger, stronger than they ever thought possible in dealing with life's difficulties. They begin to live with a strength that is not their own. They are like adults in a child's body. So today's graduate says, O Lord, you are our refuge from generation to generation. Our Lord is a strength for us, is meant to be a strength for us at all times of our lives, um, at least for those who have learned to treat him as their father. So my dear faithful, it's certainly true we must pray our, our routine prayers, we must pray our scheduled prayers, but we also must make time for prayers from the heart. Where we have this disposition towards God, we are, we are in the presence of God. We've collected ourselves and we speak to God, maybe in just a few words, maybe even just in a movement of the heart. We speak to Him about the things that concern us, we speak to him as if he's real. We speak to him as his children, as truly being the helpless creatures that we are. We try to put away all distractions. We try to free our heart from everything that turns away our focus from God. We try to see him as present before us. And then we just speak. We pour forth our heart as a child to a loving parent. And 
if we are able to accomplish this each day just for, for five minutes or ten minutes, even for just a few minutes, two or three minutes, then you will certainly draw closer to God and hopefully to Our Lady as well. Sometimes we, we feel more attracted to pray to Our Lord. Sometimes we feel more attracted to pray to Our Lady. Either way, if you do this, your prayer will not just get you to heaven. You won't just be looking for that. But it will provide you strength. It will make you holy. And even God willing, we may expect your prayer will become something of a joy for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.